Hello, Texans. We're back in the Hyundai Texans radio studio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. 24 hours ago, the Texans did the deed. Preseason game number one. They took the field for the first time this season, and we saw some good things. We saw some things that need work. We saw a whole lot of things that we're going to talk about in the next hour. You'll hear Johnny's exclusive interview with Bill O'Brien from right after the game. Brennan Scarlett as well. We'll go around the league and talk about what's happening elsewhere in the National Football League as there were 11 games last night to kick off the preseason. And, Johnny, let's start right here. I'm going to say this. Preseason has changed. There's no (laughs) doubt about it. I'm telling you, this is now, and and it's going to sound bad if I word it this way, it's the developmental season. It really is. All right, when I got into the league, which was 02 when the Texans got into the league, it was standard. Starters play a quarter in game one. Starters play two quarters in game two, three quarters, about that, two and a half to three in game three, and then everybody sits in game four. That's a tradition that maintains itself. Yes. But now these first three games, it's anybody's guess what's going to happen. Because (laughs) Nobody knows. I mean, how many real quarterbacks, not real quarterbacks, how many teams, because that sounds disrespectful, (laughs) how many teams last night played their starter, and I was going to say real teams, teams that have a shot, teams that have a franchise-type guy, how many of those teams took the field with their guy. Deshaun Watson, no. Aaron Rodgers, no. The Colts, no, but he's hurt, so right. I guess that doesn't even Josh count. Josh Allen did start for the Bills, but it makes sense. He's in his second year. That makes sense for him. To, he needs to, to play. play. He has to play. Absolutely, he yeah. has to play. So, uh, Kyler Murray started. He's a rookie. He needs to play mm-hmm. in a, He needs to play football in this league. So, it, it's, it's not unusual. Now, here's the other aspect of this, too. Nick Foles didn't play for the Jaguars last night. The we had the opportunity to practice two days against the Packers. The Lions went against the Patriots. The Jaguars went against the Ravens. You got so many reps in those practices, yep. there really is no need to take a chance and trot Deshaun Watson or Aaron Rodgers or Nick Foles or your your franchise quarterback out on the field. Now, I know people will say, wait, wait a second, last year Deshaun went out there for a series or two. Yeah, because he was coming off the ACL tear and he missed eight games. Right. So that was kind of to help him adapt to the speed of the game a little bit because that is going to be a little bit higher in practice. But when you have two solid days of joint practices, then it's not as necessary to see your guy, quarterback in particular, amongst other. I mean, I wrote down, here are all the players that didn't play last night for the Texans. Offensively, it was Fuller, Hopkins, and Watson. You also had uh, Nick Martin has been out, so he wasn't in. Uh, Lamar Miller didn't play. Jordan Thomas was hurt, so right. he didn't play. Holly Waring is um, – he's got something. He's got something. He practiced earlier something. this week, so maybe it's just a precautionary thing. Keep him out of the game. Let's hope maybe it doesn't so. linger. So that was all on the offensive side. And then defensive side, you had Watt, Reader, Watkins, and Zach. Now, to be fair, with at least those four, those four, there was something that happened over the last week or so that I know I, we saw JJ. He talked about his groin. Um, he felt his groin kind of tighten up a little bit. So yep. they took him, I saw DJ leave the field with cap one day. Uh, I know Carlos didn't practice much on Tuesday dealing with something. And Zach. Missed a couple days of practice. He was dealing with something as well. I think it was a leg injury of some sort. So those guys all had something minor, but why push it? You know you're going to get how many snaps during the year from these guys. Probably 800. How many snaps next week? Yeah, that you're <laughs> going to get against the line. So why, why push it? So at that point, 
And I read somebody, I don't know who said this, Mark. I wish I could give, I don't know if credit's the right word, but they mm-hmm. said, just go to two games. And it may have been Frank Frangie. It may have been Frank. Because last night, Jags did not play uh, Nick Foles. And it did not look good for Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know what? Just go to two games. Just go to two games. Or if you're going to leave it at four, it ends up just being, like you said, a developmental four games. And I guess it gives fans the opportunity to see some of the young guys. Right. Some guys that are new to the team that you want to see, get out there, put them in your your jersey and see what they look like. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers didn't play. Jimmy Graham didn't play. Devontae Adams. I thought about that, and I, and I think about that a lot. You know, when you buy a ticket to a game, you're thinking, oh, man, I'm going to see all these guys. But in all honesty, in the, the back of the ticket says – we can't guarantee you what you're going to see. Hey, that's a golf tournament, too. Yeah. Scheduled to appear. They can't yeah, yeah, yeah. guarantee anything. Exactly. Look, I think it's football. It is. And it's entertaining. And the rating, by the way, was up over last year, yeah. which was cool. Yeah. And I, I think people like seeing the Texans, no matter who's out there. Of course you want to see the stars. But I think knowledgeable fans also know, okay, let's hit the brakes on wanting to see the stars too much this time of year. Let's see some of these other guys do their thing. Right. And you're starting Joe Webb, who's third on your depth chart. He plays the whole way. And we'll get into some of the positives here. Look, I. it's funny because earlier in the week, we talked to Pete Prisco, and he yeah. said, I guarantee they go 18 games. And I've, I've swung I, the I pendulum shocked. on this one a lot. I used to be a total 18-game guy. Then I wasn't after seeing what these guys go through and being in this building. But now I'm thinking, all right, if they're going to do it this way, these preseason games, yes. and you do go to 18 – how much you could say? All right, we're only we're only going to do two preseason games. Fine, but yep. how much other stuff are you going to do? You'll probably right. do at least a controlled type of scrimmage with another team, maybe yourselves yes. as well. Right. Maybe a joint practice. There's still going to be a lot of ramp up time and a chance for guys to get hurt. But what the 18 games will do is same amount of home game revenue for the owners, yes. right? Even more because it's it's a regular right. season, season game. game you're yeah. adding more money for the players, more jobs for the players because they'll expand the roster at least a little bit, at least go to 55, 57, and make more players active yeah. on game day. So you're able to sort of deal with the numbers of an 18 game schedule. I think more money for everybody, and I think ultimately that could get it done. I'm not saying it will get it done, but clearly something might have to happen here. Now I think people still enjoy watching it. I enjoy watching it. I thought that it was really entertaining last night to see Joe Webb move this football team. I know it's not perfect. Look, I'm aware of what we're looking at here. Uh, I'm hoping that Joe doesn't have to play in the season. I want Watson to take every snap. But we are where we are. We have what we have. And I was all about jolting Joe last night, John. Yeah, he was fun to watch. Yeah. And I think exciting is probably the word because sometimes exciting isn't always – Sometimes it is always the best thing mm-hmm. because he did make a couple of throws I know he'd like to have back. And I was actually watching the game back uh, late last night in my hotel room as I was doing my observations of the game. And you know, the first interception that Kadir Holloman has, he actually has a pretty good pocket. He just short-armed it for yeah. some reason because he's been ripping some throws. Clint Sterner and I have talked about that. He's been ripping some throws. He, he ripped a couple of them. Uh, against Green Bay in the joint practices, but he just didn't he didn't have much sauce on that one, and Holman made a really nice play. Mm-hmm. That guy's an undrafted uh, free agent f- that the Packers signed, and he's going to be a player. He's going to find a way. Now, they've got a lot of corners, but if Josh Jackson, a former second-round pick, doesn't get off NFI anytime soon, Carl Holman's going to steal that job, and Mike Pettin really likes him. So that's beside the point. But he he didn't make the best decision all the time, but when the ball was in his hands, you couldn't turn away. 
you couldn't turn away no. because you knew something was going to happen. He gets out of trouble. It's almost Watson-like. It's like. amazing. And I love that. And how about this now? Here's my other feeling about last night. As as the hours go by following the game against the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field, I feel like somewhat the way I feel coaching flag football when we had a situation where every kid got a catch. Every kid got a catch. The parents went home happy because their kid got a catch. 16 different players caught passes yesterday from Joe Webb. I mean, think about that. How many players made plays? Ferguson, Smith, Gillespie, Jones, Hanson had a catch last night. Yeah. I mean, Buddy Howell made a play last night. He got the ball to a lot of different people last night. And I wrote about that in my observations, that he 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 was just spreading around. I mean, he was running the offense. And the thing is, is when's the last time Joe played a full game at quarterback? I, probably the snow, the snow game against the Colts. Well, wait, wait a minute. Who played game four last year? Did Whedon play? I think he did. I think he did, yeah. Okay. I think he did. Preseason game four. Yeah, I think so. So... You, it's, Joe's going to play a lot because Joe. Well, actually, if Taamu stays around, Taamu. Yeah, I think, I'm trying to get the pronunciation right. You for got the big it, Taamu. Yeah, it's. I mean, I want it to be Taamu. I mean, it's it would be that. nice, but that's. I think it's Taamu. Yeah, but if you say it all together, it just sounds Ta'amu. like Taamu. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I, I want to see what Jordan can do, but it, to be fair to him and probably fair to the rest of the team, it was probably best that Joe take those snaps. He looked pretty good in warm-ups, though. And he does. Tom. He throws a good ball. I, I was talking about it before the game with, with uh, Rick and Seth, and I said, look, he throws a pretty good ball. I mean, I saw it last year when he, when he was here with Ole Miss taking on Texas Tech in the opener. He throws a good ball. He throws a good deep ball. He's got a strong arm. He moves a little bit. I was talking to Carl Smith last night, quarterback's coach, about him. And I just said, uh, you like number six, and that's what number he's wearing, which was the number T.J. Yates wore when he came back. They're short on numbers right now. <laughs> I mean, serious. I mean, physically, the numbers, there aren't many that If Yates have. comes back, he's going to have to be like 2A or something. <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story about T.J. in a second. But Car- Carl Smith said, yeah, I like him. You know, he moves around a little bit. Uh, he can handle the jungle, and uh, I think he's just what he knows. He loves that jungle. Yeah. It's like, what, what, what does he know? That's the whole key. So here's my story about Yates. This is so funny. I was watching one-on-ones uh, with the offensive line, the, pa- the Texans offensive line and the Packers defensive line. And TJ's been working with the offensive line because, you know, look, he knows, he knows quarterback. But learning another position to add kind of to his repertoire as he yeah. is a coach. So as they do those drills, they always have, you know, a quarterback or somebody that, you know, has a, you know gives out the cadence. And three different times, T.J. Yates hard-counted the Packers offside. It was awesome. I meant to say – I, w- I wanted to say something to him. I'm like, man, you still got it. And he, I swear to you, three different times he hard-counted. And individuals. Yeah, just hot, hot, hot. You know, that you, you would hear all the time. You hear Tom Brady do it. You hear Drew Brees. You hear, all, you hear Deshaun do that. And I've actually heard – I heard Deshaun do that in Green Bay a little bit, trying to hard-count, kind of learning that but aspect. But in individuals, don't you not want to do that to the opponent? I mean, I mean you, I, don't, you don't want but, to be so predictable, but you want it to be so you can actually watch well, that, the matchup take place. Yeah, but that was that was the thing is you've you've got to give he's both sides a it. fair shot. Yeah, he was too good at it. Yeah. He was too good with the hard count because a lot of people like if I were doing it, I, I I would be way too obvious. But he has experience doing it, and he got him three different times, and I'm just dying laughing each time. And the third time, he kind of he kind of got the ball and he kind of flipped it and he kind of looked. Kind of looked to the side, had the sheepish grin, like, "Yeah, I got him again." 
I was like, boy, he could probably go back there and sling it a little bit, draw some people offside, get him on their heels a little bit. He could, it was I just bet really he, cool to see. I bet he could give you a game. He, he could, could give you a game. He could give you a game or two. He's not old or anything. No. You know, I don't know what kind of shape he's he in could for give that you a game. to take a hit. If you needed him for 16 games, he'd give you a game. Yeah. But if you need him for a game, he probably could give you a game. Yeah, right. I got you. Uh, so so all the receivers last night, all these young bucks who they brought in, they all made plays. Lewis, Mitchell. I mean, Jarrell Adams, the tight end, with three catches last night. Yeah, fortunately had that drop. That was that. That, that was a good third, third down. down. He was just. I know he was probably upset with himself. That's for a that. game changer if he catches that because the drive moves on and maybe they're able to win the game. Yeah. So that was that was that was a tough one, but he's made plays. I'll I'll look beyond that play, even though it was a tough play during a game sequence, because he's caught everything else thrown to him during practice, during the joint practice. He's been phenomenal. He's been really, really good. So it was unfortunate that that happened because he has been so good catching the ball. And for a lot of fans, they're sitting there watching going, oh, no hands, Jarrell Adams. Like, every practice, he's caught everything thrown to him. That's like the first time I've seen him drop one. So give him a mulligan on that one and go on what he's done for the rest of the time in training camp. All right, here's what I liked also. The offensive line. When you look at the first half numbers, it was over 90 rushing yards. I know Webb had a big chunk of that. But yeah. the backs averaged four yards per yes. carry each. And yes. I thought that was notable in this game. Look, it's a preseason game. That's all we got, folks. So we're going to evaluate the data. And that was part of the data, that they enabled the backs to average four yards per carry. Of course, Webb had his scrambles to add to make the average right. 5.5 total. Right. But I'm just focusing on the backs here because that's the planned running game, and it was working pretty well for the Texans in the first half. Yeah, Taiwan Jones. When you look at Taiwan Jones. Other than Jones, that fumble, my yeah, gosh. But I, I'm which, just saying they moved the ball. It was a heck of a play by both guys. Green to knock it out, and then I think Redmond ended up with the ball. It looked, it looked at first glance like Redmond had ripped it out, but Green it just literally popped it from like six inches away right into Redmond's arms. It was a heck of a play. But – I thought all of them ran very well. I, again, I go back to, Mark, we talked about this after the draft. When the Texans didn't draft the running back, I was like, okay, who are the undrafted guys? And when I find out it's Karan Higdon and Demaria Crockett, I'm like, I'm okay with that. I'm totally okay with that because mm-hmm. you were able to you know, pull in some players in the fifth, sixth round. I mean, what if instead of Charles Amenahu, you end up having to draft a running back? Right. And you're not going to get the value of Charles Amenahu and undrafted, but with a running back, you have the opportunity to. This franchise knows that more than any other. So yep. getting him, uh, getting Higdon and getting Crockett, I think are huge. And, and people just, well, you, you can't have an undrafted rookie as your number two or number three back. Who says you can't? Who says you can't do it? I thought those guys were really good last night. All right, let's talk about that running back situation. Also, what needs work? So a little glass half full, glass half empty with last night's preseason performance against the Green Bay Packers. You'll hear from Bill O'Brien and Brendan Scarlett as well. Let's go around the league. What's up with those Colts and some of the other AFC South foes? It's all coming up on Texans Radio. Recapping some of the preseason opener against the Green Bay Packers, getting you ready for what's to come for the Houston Texans. It's Texans All-Access. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Now let's go back to Lambeau Field. Last night, John Harris visited with Bill O'Brien after the game. This whole week, how valuable has this been for your squad? Good week. Uh, definitely got better. Um, competed hard tonight. Just made too many mistakes. Can't turn the ball over four times and expect to win any game. So... Um, but I thought we had a real good week here. Green Bay was a good host, and uh, 
It was a good week. How valuable is this opportunity for the rookies to get out there and kind of first taste of NFL action, Titus and the guys getting out there? How valuable is it for those guys? Very valuable. You know, get out there and uh, game action, see the speed of the game, get a feel for it. Uh, first pro football game. It's an uh, invaluable experience. Next week, Lions come to town. You got those those guys for two days and a game on Saturday. Again, the value of seeing those guys at different teams, seeing Matt Stafford, seeing a defense and offense that you may know. How valuable will that be for next week? We love the joint practices uh, for all the things you just said. You know, we, we we get to see different schemes, we see different players, and we just think it's invaluable. And we got a great team coming in here in Detroit with a really good coaching staff led by Matt Patricia, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Coach, I appreciate it. Thank Thanks. you. Yep. Bill O'Brien with John Harris after the game. And, Johnny, of course, he wasn't happy with the turnovers. Who would be? But if it weren't for those turnovers, the Texans, I think they win this game by double digits. I yeah. think it's that kind of night. The way they move the football. And we talked about the defense. Maybe not enough here. Let me go here. Let's start with the defense, this segment. I liked this, holding them to less than three yards per carry in the first half. I thought that was good. For the game, it was 3.3. Mm-hmm. Dexter Williams, I'm not going to say went off, but he had that one really good drive. That yep. was the bulk of his yardage. It was in the third. It was in the fourth quarter, actually. Yeah. So I'm okay with that relatively. I think in the first half, they bottled up the run. That was nice. What I didn't like was Deshaun Kaiser, 111 quarterback rating. Yeah, Threw like the that. touchdown, no picks, couldn't get to him. And it wasn't like he lit you up. He only had one offensive touchdown in the first half. The other touchdown was the special team score. It was 14-10 at the break. So they weren't able to convert. They weren't able to score the way they wanted to. But Kaiser was effective throwing the football more than I would like. I'm with you on that. And Jay Kumro made a couple of catches when, when Bradley Roby was basically hanging on him like yeah. a cheap suit. And, and now that's the thing. You have a big receiver like that, and he just boxes you out. And if you get a little bit of time to throw, and Kaiser had some time, then he puts the ball on point. There's really nothing you can do against a receiver like that. It's like trying to cover Hopkins. Now, Hop isn't as big as Kumaro, but because he's got vice grips for hands, you're, you're, you can be completely in his hip pocket. And if you don't time it, if you don't time swatting at the ball exactly right, you're not going to swat and get out of his hands. You're literally going to have to swat and hit the ball in the air. And if you don't time it exactly right, and that's hard. I mean, that's really, really hard. you got probably a 1 in 10 chance of doing that. But Roby ended up making a play a little while later on a, on a dig route that was very similar to the one that, that Kumaro caught. They gave up one big drive, uh, the defense did. There's a 10-play, 75-yard drive in the second quarter that ended up going for a touchdown. And that was, that was it. The, the drive chart for Green Bay is 6 plays, punt, 7 plays, punt, 3 plays, punt. Then they had that three, the the – Three-drive stretch. They had a 10-play, the last drive of the second quarter, they scored a touchdown. Then they had, after the turnover, they got the ball down and said they won it, and the Texans forced them to go six plays. Six plays. Now, they got a touchdown, but on fourth down, they got a call of illegal contact. Again, on the first down, they still took them till third down to score. It was really seven plays. I know yeah, one was, was a penalty. Plays. So that counts as a play, sort yeah. of, but not, not statistically. Right. But it was a rep. But the rest of the the rest of the uh, the rest of the drive five plays for forty seven uh, fumble nine for forty two three for eight one minus one that was to take a knee so they had that three touchdown stretch one of them was off a of fumble uh, one came off a of turnover on downs and uh, you know the other one was a legitimate drive so 
I felt overall the defense played pretty well. I mean, just the the, the yardage-wise, I mean, it was 29 first downs, Texans 16 first downs for the Packers. Two, only 237 net yards, 142 yards passing. That's what the Packers generated. But here's the one thing that still troubles me, Mark, and you, you alluded to it. The Packers were 7 for 13, 54% on third down. For the game. For the game. If there's yeah. something that that is a leftover from the end of last year. you gotta, you got to stop it's that. It's the third down conversions. I mean, think how many foals had against us in the Eagles game, the third and fourth down conversions. Yep. It was an amazing – he had like 11 or 12 conversions on third or fourth down. The third and ten game. after Clowney put his helmet into his spleen. He, I mean, that's the the third down conversion. That rate – and the funny thing is, is throughout the year, for the most part, up until about the second half of the Browns game, that third down conversion number was in the in the mid to high 20s. It was very low. It was really good. We were – Really good on third down, and then all of a sudden just went off the deep end. Well, and they couldn't run the ball, and they started giving up third down conversions and some long ones, too. Last night, last night, third and seven, third and longer than that, those were surrendered in the first half, and that was, I I can't say troubling, but in the context of the preseason game, I'm sure it's something the coaches are looking at. And the other day was the touchdown pass in the first half was on third and four. So... You have to look at those yeah. things. The one he threw Shepard. Yeah, yeah, 34 is not a long distance, but he threw a touchdown off of that. Yeah. So that's not what you want to see. you got to get that corrected, and they'll be working on that. It'll be interesting to see next week who plays, who doesn't, and if you can get a little more action with some of the starters as, as they continue to try to get their feet wet. You open four weeks from Monday. Is it a long way off? Is it a short distance in terms of time? Short distance in time. It's you know however you want to interpret it. There is some time to improve some things, but again, some guys have to say, "All right, I got to get ramped up in the next couple of weeks here, get whatever reps I can live because we're going to go into a pretty much full practice mode game prep for the Saints in about two weeks, maybe shorter than that." Yeah, so that, they'll that- have to get ready. That third week, and, and it goes back to what we talked about in the first segment, how preseason has changed. I would imagine that there's going to be work being done on the Saints even in that third week of preseason mm-hmm. leading up to the Cowboys. There will, be, there will be work done on the Saints. And then when they get to week four, what OB has done in the past is he's, I don't want to say he sort of splits the coaching staff, but he does. He, but that's splits the team what up. he does. He mm-hmm. has – uh, I remember one year when when George was the OC and he was calling plays in that week four game. I was down on the field and I was kind of getting a feel for the game and I was talking before I came up to the booth with you. And I said, "What are you doing tonight?" He goes, "Nothing." I said, "What?" He goes, "Yeah, nothing. I'm already working on the Bears or whoever we were playing. I can't yeah. remember who it was. I think it was the Bears." He's like, oh, "We're already working on the Bears." And I was like, "Well, what's?" He said, "Ob's going to call the game. He's going to call it. They've got a scale down. They have any print? They got a scale down sheet." I've been working on the – basically, I'm just – I'm coaching quarterbacks tonight, just helping the quarterback get through it, and that's how, they, that's how they've done and it. And they so beat they, the Bears. And they ended up beating the Bears. So that they've split it like that uh, for years. And I'll be curious how – I'll be curious how they do it, but I wouldn't be surprised. First of all, they've been working on Saints all offseason to get ready for week one. But I wouldn't be surprised if in week three, that's when they start to kind of hone in. They're going to start looking at some of the Saints stuff, and there will be some of the practices that maybe we don't see, some of the walkthroughs that will be stuff where they're really focused on Saints, and they'll really kind of get it going, I think, at that point. But you said four uh, four weeks from Monday. It's literally a month from tonight. Today's yeah. August 9th, September 9th.
All right, we've waited this long on the show because we've been breaking down the game a little bit, but what about Duke Johnson? As the reports came out yesterday, Duke Johnson to become a Houston Texan, and I look at his highlight reel, Johnny, and it looks impressive, but a lot of players' highlight reels look impressive. (laughs) I think, though, that this could be a – I don't want to oversell it. I think a a big deal was made about it because it is a trade in the NFL, and all right, I I understand – the hype, so to speak, for lack of a better word. But when I see what he can add to this team, what kind of receiver he's out of the backfield, mm-hmm. how he makes people miss, he's a good, open, safe target for Deshaun Watson. Right. I think it's going to be a nice addition, a good weapon. He's a proven guy. You know, Deontay Foreman, we all wanted to see the upside. Well, he's not a proven guy. Right. Duke Johnson is a proven guy. You know he can do certain things as a pass catcher, at the very least, that can help you out. One of the things that we saw last night, and we've seen the Texans do this before too, and they, they and you know what I'm talking about, they get in 20 personnel. What that means is two backs, no tight ends. Right. And what would they do? They would put Lamar with blue. And they would – now last year they would have to both pass protect, but the hope is that you can use one of those backs. Maybe Lamar picks up. Maybe he's got the pass protection opportunity and Duke's running a route out of the backfield. Or maybe Duke picks it up and Lamar runs the route out of the backfield. But you have both those backs. And that's the thing about both of them is Lamar's a really good pass protector. And I think that gets lost. But he's a really good pass receiver. But he's had to protect and help to protect. So he hasn't really had the opportunity. Remember the catch he made against the Cardinals in 17? Back in the end zone, he gets two feet inbounds. He oh, makes yeah. that catch. Remember that? Looks that, like DeAndre Hopkins. That's what Lamar's capable of. But he's, you know, and, and people downgrade him because, oh, well, his numbers in fantasy. I mean, like, okay, you can take your fantasy numbers and shove it. But beyond that, he's had to pass protect so often. But if you play, if you go to 20 personnel, maybe he doesn't have to pass protect as much. Maybe Duke can pick up some of that. He can get out routes or vice versa, depending on what kind of looks they're going to get. And I think it makes you that much better. I like bringing a veteran, dynamic space player into the room. I like mm-hmm. that. And I think, honestly, I know everybody talks about Duke as a receiver, and, and I get all that. I have no problem turning a hand in the ball to that guy. He's got juice. He runs hard. He has always run hard. He followed Lamar at, uh, at Miami. Lamar uh, drafted in 2012, and then Duke came right after that. He runs hard. So – and I think he's got something to prove. I think he wants to tell Cleveland, hey, look, you guys made the mistake. So he's got something to prove as I well. Like so I, I – you know, look, the, the rumor of the deal that, that we've heard is that – I, that I saw was a fourth rounder in 2020, but if he's active for 10 starts, then it turns into a third rounder. If Duke Johnson is active for 10 games for you in 2019 – you are going to be that much better He's off. He's making plays, and guess what? You're going to get some help with the comp picks if the guys who left right. here as free agents did well. You might get a couple of third-rounders. All right, right, next up, let's go around the league. AFC South stuff. One team rested about three dozen players, it seemed, and another team didn't have its starter and might not for how long? We'll discuss. It's Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you in the Hyundai Texans Radio studio. We're back from Green Bay we're a little tired, but it's okay. It's a good kind of tired. It's football tired. It's football season for the guys who cover the team, and there's nothing like it. It was entertaining last night. It wasn't scintillating necessarily, but I'll tell you what. You know what's better than? No football. And we saw Joe Webb move the team. We saw the running backs do their thing. The receivers made a few plays on defense, got out of there. 
with a few bumps and bruises. I get it. Bill O'Brien will elaborate, I think, maybe, perhaps, on the injuries tomorrow <laughs> when they do the open practice at the Houston Methodist Training Center. I don't want to promise anything about Bill O'Brien talking about injuries, but maybe he'll shed some light on what's going on. But the fact is, you got the first one done. Detroit comes up one week from tomorrow, and you'll practice against the Lions. See how you look against that team that got decimated by the New England Patriots, by the way. Before we go around the league a little bit and talk about the Jags resting a billion players and the Colts not starting Andrew Luck, he's hurt. When's he coming back? We'll talk about that. But what about Brennan Scarlett? Has Johnny had a chance to catch up with the outside linebacker after the game? Scar, I know these preseason games are kind of strange. You're in there for about a quarter, quarter and a half, and then you sit and watch. But yeah. overall, how do you feel just your personal play tonight? felt like you were kind of in a mix all night long. Uh, you know, I'll have to go back and re- review the film and see how I did. But, you know, just getting out there for the first game is always a good feeling. Uh, to be back out there with the boys in a game time situation, you know, just uh, being competitive, um, getting after getting after the ball and uh, and playing hard. So review the film, see how I did personally. How do you think this whole week went? I mean, obviously, Packers quarterback was not all that happy about joint practices. How did you feel about the first couple of days and then the game tonight, the whole week in general? Uh, I think it was good. I think I think we got better as a team. I think we came together as a team, uh, you know, which is important through training camp, uh, just building the chemistry. And I think going against, you know, other guys uh, helps for that to happen. And, uh, and I think that was the biggest thing, you know, just taking steps to get better as a team. And I think we did that. Do you sense the game now in your fourth year slowing down for you while you're out there? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know, I start to, you know, look at different keys, you know, and uh, and it definitely helps to have, you know, even guys that have been around longer than I have, you know, you know, the J.J. and the, the Whitney Mercilesses of the world, you know, Bernard G. McKinney. <clears throat> Those guys have always been helpful in, uh, in giving me keys. And, you know, as my game evolves and, uh, and I'm around the game longer, it definitely is slowing down uh, with help from those guys. Brennan, I really appreciate your time, man. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. John Harris with Brennan Scarlett after the tilt last night in Green Bay. All right, so let's talk about some other things here. As we discuss the defense, we discuss the offense. What about going around the league a little bit here, Johnny? Jacksonville rests a ton of players last night. Why not play Nick Foles? Why not get him baptized in the offense? It's a new situation, not a new system, but a new situation for him getting used to these guys. Look, easy for me to say uh, they probably know what they're doing, or maybe not. It's Jacksonville. We'll see. <laughs> I think the one thing about it, and I, we talked about this a little bit earlier, they had two long days with the Ravens like the Texans had with the Packers, and I'm sure they just didn't want to push it. They felt like Nick got good work against the Ravens once. They felt like the ones weren't going to – and here's, that, that's the other part of this. I'm not totally sure. I haven't looked at the, the game book on the, on the Ravens-Jags to see if the Ravens did play the ones. But does it do Nick Foles any good to go out on the field if you know the Ravens aren't playing their guys? They're not going to play Wanasaur. They're not going to play Brandon Williams. They're not going to play Matthew Judon. You're facing the twos. Do you want your – your $22 million a year quarterback mm. stepping in behind that, that that offensive line to go against the non-ones when you've just gone against the ones for two straight days in practice. Yeah. So to me, it's it's sort of risk management in some sense. It's like last night had Deshaun played. Look at the first, look at the first group the Packers trotted out there last night. I would venture a guess that maybe half, a little over half, six, seven guys – Make the team, huh? 
So there's really no sense because Deshaun had faced the guys. He had faced Darius Smith, who knocked him down at one point, and everybody went crazy. Rashawn Gary, Dean Lowry, he had faced Jair Alexander. Why start him if you're going to face the twos? And I think that's probably what Jacksonville was looking at. And I don't know. I don't know if Doug Marone talked with John Harbaugh and said, "Hey, what what's your plan? What are you going to do?" I don't know if they did that, but if you had a feeling that Baltimore was not going to play their ones, then why take a risk that some rookie is going to you know take a cheap shot or he's not going to uh, you know he's going to trip and fall and then try and wrap Nick Foles up at the knees and something stupid happens. It's just best after two good days of practice with the Ravens, keep them out of harm's way, get going for week two. And then week two, maybe you see more starters, or the plan is to see more starters, and then you can play them. And then it makes some more sense. It just doesn't make any sense for a number one quarterback to face twos and threes. I don't like a team seemingly mailing it in, though. I I don't either. I I know you're playing reserves for the most part. Now, last night the Texans went with their starting offensive line. I mean, if they were playing the Saints last night, that would have been the line in all likelihood. I mean, that's what you were going to go with, meaning whoever's available, those are the top guys yeah. available to play last night. And they know they needed the work, so that was cool. But the rest of it, you're not seeing Hopkins, you're not seeing Watson, right. which is fine. But the Texans, they they put on a show of sorts. They turned it over, yes, but they moved the ball. They made plays yeah. on defense. I mean, they were going concerned last night. Whereas the Jags get pounded twenty nine to nothing by Baltimore. I mean, it's just a bad look. Yeah, I, 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 no, I agree with you from that perspective. I, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I, I think every situation is is unique when you try when you're trying to figure out. Okay, am I going to play this guy, or are we going to play these guys? Yeah. Are we going to play our ones, or are we not? The offensive line. This is an offensive line that you're still not a thousand percent sure what's going to be the starting offensive line. No, you're not. So at that point, you got to have a little bit. You got to have every rep possible, every rep available to you. Now, next year, hopefully Max Sharping ends up being a starter, and Titus Howard ends up being a starter, and you know Nick Martin's coming back, and so you have continuity amongst the offensive line with Deshaun Watson. At that point then I feel pretty good about what I'm going to have. But right now, I feel good about the players that are there. I don't know that I feel 1,000% confident that we know exactly what it's going to be. So they've got to get every rep I think they possibly could. Matt Khalil has not played football since 2017. I think when you talk about Nick Foles, you know he's going to be the starter, right? Jacksonville, yeah. There's no mystery mystery about him being a starter. You yeah, they have cannot time. They have, take the risk. They have time to get them ready. But I think you're right about the fact that you can't just go get pounded, though. Right. You can't just you know, hey, we had two good days of practice and then and then mail it in. Like you got you guys got to compete. You got to find some depth. You got to have some depth that plays and, yeah. and and plays with some juice. And that's that's the thing with with Jacksonville. They've got top line starters. We know that Miles Jack, Jalen Ramsey, Leonard Fournette. I mean. Even some of the receivers are starting to show it. I saw some of the videos that people were sending from Jacksonville. Like, oh, okay, they they they're not deep. And and why? Because they had to pay Nick Foles twenty two million dollars. And why? Because they didn't draft a quarterback at number four in twenty seventeen like they should have, or in twenty eighteen like they should have. And now that and and now they're faced with okay, we don't have the depth. We don't have Deshaun Gibson with Barry Church with Ronnie Harrison. The only thing they have is Ronnie Harrison at safety. You know, they don't have that depth. They don't have a nickel corner because they couldn't afford to keep Aaron Colvin. Yeah. So they 
they don't have the depth in large part because they've had to spend so much money. And I know people in the offseason were like, the Texans have all this money under the cap. Well, you know the Jags did a few years ago too. And the Jags spent all of it. Hit home runs with Clays Campbell. They hit a home run with A.J. Boye. Right. They hit singles with some other guys that they brought in, a guy like Barry Church. But what happened, because they had to pay all those guys, they were stuck up against the cap when they had to go get Nick Foles, and that screwed up everything. So, yep. look, every situation's unique, but I don't think they have the depth to make it through a 16-game season. Are they going to beat somebody they shouldn't this year? No doubt, because they're that talented. But do they have the depth to do it consistently? I don't think so. Yeah, you don't want it to be you if it's right. going to be that kind of season right. for them, where they yeah, like they beat up, the yeah. Colts 6 nothing. They beat New England last year, right. my goodness. All right, the Bills and the Colts last night. Colts lose 24-16. to 16. Now, Andrew Luck doesn't play, still nursing that calf mm-hmm. injury. He's got four weeks till he has to play a game. Yeah. So he's got plenty of time to get, re- to get ready, to get better. Chad Kelly played 13 of 19, 121 yards. How about Chad Kelly finding some playing time in Indy right now as Jacoby Brissett went two for five for 21 yards? Kelly, can it happen for him? Can he resurrect? If he Not can, that there was any – I mean, resurrect implies that he's been there in the first place. Can he get his career going in Indy? Yeah. If he stays out of his own way, he's wildly talented. Yeah, he is. And, I mean, the fact that he did it in Buffalo where he played his high school ball and where he grew up was, was pretty amazing last night. But Buffalo, Buffalo's ones shut down the Colts' run game in a – in a big-time way. I mean, Jacoby Brissett's playing. Hey, this offensive line has been talked about as one of the best offensive lines in the league. They carried it six times for a yard. Jeez. Stuffed them. And, I mean, just stuffed them. And I, the, as I watched a couple of the lowlights for the Colts, I was like, keep believing that hype. Keep believing yep. that hype. Keep believing that you are the best offensive line. You're the best team. You have no holes. Keep believing the hype. Yeah, it's a preseason game. But – Sometimes in the preseason, you start to see some cracks that eventually mm. turn into huge cracks that destroy the, the uh, aircraft carry, and let's hope that's what happens in India. Did you see what President Trump said about Colin Kaepernick? I did. That I did. He, he wants somebody to sign Kaepernick, but just not for a PR move, he said. Right. Does he understand, <laughs> first of all, a little less than PR, which is <laughs> – it's not going to be a PR move to sign Kaepernick, okay? Yeah. That's not a PR move. Right. You have to overcome whatever obstacles you would have PR-wise in signing him with a large portion of your fan base. Not everybody, but a large portion. But he did say if he's good enough, they should sign him. And they, he said they would sign him if he's good enough. He said these people will do anything to win games. Talking about the owners. Talking about the owners. Because he had to remind everybody that he knows Bob Kraft. Yes, I'm sure Bob Kraft was thrilled about this. Yeah, but here's what I thought about. Mm -hmm. Just thinking about the league in general. Because I don't think Kaepernick would come back, and he's actually turned down a couple opportunities to come back as a backup. So, Wait, has he really? Yeah. Baltimore offered him, I don't know what the money was, but Baltimore offered him a contract to come be the backup to Flacco. Well, he's got to take that. And he didn't. He you got to take, take, you take whatever take you can get. Um, no one's going to, look, a chance to, first of all, if you go to Baltimore and you're Flacco's backup at the time that that right. was offered, you got a shot to be the starter. Yeah, because and if he's you're going to get enough, hurt or if, flame out. If you're good enough, you're going to play. Right. So what would be, mm-hmm. what would be a location for Kaepernick? I have one. Well, 
I I have one. Okay. Um, because I think both quarterbacks are just average, and Tennessee. Really, Mariota and Tannehill placeholders. They're placeholders. Wow, Mariota is a placeholder. Colin at this Kaepernick. Point. Colin Kaepernick would give. Give them a jolt. Now, look, who was telling us that? We haven't that seen Ka- Kaepernick for a couple of years. so It's been a while, Johnny. I, but then again, Michael Vick was in jail for two and a half years. No, I, I'm not saying it's impossible at all. Right. I, I think that if if teams were interested in signing him, you're going to work him out and you know you want to poke and prod right. and see if he can still do it. Right. You know, So uh, that would be interesting. I don't think it's a PR move. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, I, I just think that there's a lot that goes along with it. Can you imagine the press conference oh, when, when, yeah. when he's introduced as your third string or backup quarterback? Right. I mean, oh, that's yeah. the kind of thing you can say. Well, that's not a distraction. It's it's a distraction. It Anything is. out of the routine is a distraction. So not that it's a bad thing. You know, inherently a bad thing when you look at a worldview. I'm just saying, football wise, anything that's out of the ordinary like that is somewhat of a distraction. So they'd have to weigh that out. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know. As far as Tennessee goes, though, back to that for a moment. Was who was talking to us? I think I was with you, and they said, "I guarantee you that Tannehill's going to start for them before long." Or maybe that was you saying that. I'm not sure. I don't think you guaranteed it. No, I don't think I guarantee. But I think there's a shot at that happening. That I was a so. great spot for Tannehill to go. I, I that might have been me because I do think at some point Tannehill is going to get an opportunity. But I, I think Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill are kind of the same guy. The same guy. They're kind of the same guy. Athlete. Yeah, they're athletic, can get out of the pocket, can make some plays, but you don't really trust them with the ball in, in their hands. They're probably going to take a check down route on third and 12 because they're, they're kind of panicking the pocket. They're kind of the same guy. So I don't, I don't know that you really – is there an upgrade from Mariota to Tannehill or an upgrade from Tannehill to Mariota? I, they're just kind of the same guy, to be honest with you. Now – I know what Mariota did against us on Monday Night Football. He won like twenty four of twenty five. Like that's a great percentage. But third downs, he was like he was like two of twelve or something. That like was that. his stat line in a blowout loss. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. So I mean, he was two of twelve on third down. Why? Because he was throwing check down routes for three yards on third and six. Yeah. Right. Like we'll th- take that all day long. Yeah. Fine. That's a good that. point. I, I mean, care. you just read those numbers, and then you're thinking third down. It, Third down stat sometimes implies incompletions right. for the ones you don't make. But, no, you can complete the ball, and you're two yards short, and then you're punting. Absolutely. It still counts as a completion, and it right. also counts as a non-make. All right, Johnny, thanks a lot. You got it, Mark. Thank we you. will be on the field tomorrow covering practice for you. Follow us on all the social media channels, at Houston Texans on Twitter, the app, all of it, as they are going to go live at the Houston Methodist Training Center. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans.